0: Oh, hey there. I just made it. Good morning to you all. Uh welcome to our Tuesday uh morning devotion. We are looking at uh, various advent, christmasy type texts uh it, this season in the season of advent. I can't believe that we are uh less what Are we 8 days away from Christmas right now? That is just crazy to me. It's Oh my gosh, I, I sound older and older every day that I live because I'm just that guy It's like, where did all the days go? Well, that's, yeah, that's the way it feels. Anyway, I hope you're having a good, uh, good day. Uh, today is uh, Tuesday, December 17th. Uh, it is freezing rain over here uh, where we're at. And um, I have to say, uh, freezing rain is, in my estimation, worse than snow. It's just, it's terrible. Uh, because you cannot walk without slipping and looking like a complete buffoon, and uh, and I did that a few times already this morning. So, uh, anyhow, all right, we're going to look at Luke chapter one verses 26 through 38. The the big announcement made to Mary that God's got some incredible plans for. Uh, that's Luke chapter one verses 26 through 38. It reads like this: In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel Before I get started, let me say good morning to you all. I see Bonnie and Chris and Katie and Barb, and I'm sure there's others there. I can't, that's all I can see right now, but good morning. Thanks for watching, guys. Uh, So, here's what we've put, what we can see in this text so far. Mary is deeply shaken, confused, and afraid. And I can't blame her one bit. Uh, Most likely, not. Much older than 15 years old, here she is in her little hut of a home when suddenly a supernatural entity appears to her out of the blue. I mean, just imagine being in her shoes. You would be shaken, confused, and afraid too. And her reaction, in fact, is entirely normal when coming into the presence of the heavenly realm as we see all throughout Scripture. Uh, A while back I came across... Uh, a piece, a little video from the satirical website, The Onion in which the interviewer claimed that uh, that night he was going to get an interview with God himself. And uh, of course the interview begins and the interviewer says, God, thank you for joining us. And before the man can even finish his statement, a bright light with all sorts of loud noise appears and the journalist is absolutely terrified. He begins shouting at the top of his lungs, i'm sorry i'm so sorry i understand now i'm sorry and then it fades to black that is not actually i mean the onion being a secular satirical website actually shows kind of an accurate accurate picture of what people do when they come into the presence of the holy uh, we see it with our first parents when uh, upon introducing sin into the world uh, they hide from God because they were afraid of God. We see it with Moses, when upon even coming near God's glory has to hide his face. We see it with the prophet Isaiah, when brought into the presence of the holy, can only say, woe is me, I am a man of unclean lips. We see it with Peter, when Jesus causes them to catch the miraculous amount of fish, and he doesn't say thank you, Jesus. He says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. We are sinners, and God is holy, and the two don't mix. And so it makes a whole lot of sense that Mary would be shaken, confused, and yes, afraid. But of course, something amazing happens by the end of the story. Uh, God turns Mary's fear and confusion into trust and submissive service and even worship by the end. And so how does God go about doing this in Mary's life? What does he reveal to her to cause her to trust him? Well, first, uh, I think what's pretty evident from the text is God reveals his grace. I mean, we, none of us would be anywhere without this, and that's, that's the same thing for Mary, by the way. Uh, like Mary and all the prophets before her, our first inclination before God is to cower in fear. But as is the case with all of the examples I just gave to you, God comes to us in his grace. With Adam and Eve, when they hide, God comes looking for them and covers them properly, even being willing to sacrifice that early to do so. When Moses is nearly consumed by God's glory, God provides him a cleft and a rock to hide him. When Isaiah laments his sinful tongue, God cleanses his mouth. And when Peter begs Jesus to depart from him, our Lord tells him, do not be afraid, the most common imperative in the Bible. And I don't and I don't say it it's like a it's not a command it's not a command that says don't be afraid or else it's saying you don't have to fear I'm for you I love you I'm I'm on your side I'm here to help you So twice in the text the angel refers to Mary as favored one and of course the word for favored there literally means oh graced one it's the same same word uh, grace and favor are the same word in Greek Now why was she chosen, of all people, to carry the very Son of God in her womb? It wasn't because of anything besides God had shown her favor. The text doesn't tell us anywhere that it was because of anything but that. She wasn't more holy than the average person. She was an average girl from a small town in northern Israel whom God in his unsearchable grace decided to bless in an unimaginable way by sending his son to take up residence within her. And it is in some sense the same here today with you. The Bible says Jesus Christ graciously takes up residence in you who believe as well. It isn't because of anything you do or anything special on your part. It's not because he looked down and saw that I had a truly devout heart, and so he said, okay, I guess I can make residence in him. No, God God does this out of his great love. He stoops down to sinners, to where you are at, and says, I'm with you, and I'm going to favor you. That's the way this relationship works, folks. God takes the initiative, and he does so here with Mary. Uh, Secondly, God reveals his word to Mary. That is, when the angel Gabriel comes, he immediately speaks. And when God speaks, things happen. When God speaks, things happen. Remember in the very beginning, while the earth was still formless and void, when God begins his creating work, we read the words, and God said, and then it was so. One of the most powerful pictures of the power of God's word is probably found in Ezekiel 37. Uh, There the prophet is called to, uh, to speak to a valley full of dry bones. And the dry bones, of course, are a picture of God's people at the time being spiritually dead. The sight is depressing and dank and awful, of course, And indeed, Ezekiel speaks to this valley of dry bones and they begin to come to life. God says to Ezekiel that this is how he works. This is how he brings life to spiritually dead sinners just like you and I. Let's not forget that during our Lord's ministry, the way he displayed his power was through his word. As he went from town to town and place to place, all he had to do was speak and it was so. So it was this knowledge of the power of God's word that prompted Luther to say that indeed, uh, the pregnancy of Mary happened because of the power of God's word. He writes, quote, Mary has no husband and her womb is entirely enclosed, yet she conceives in her womb a real natural uh, child with flesh and blood. Where does it come from? The angel, angel Gabriel brings the word. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. With these words, Christ comes not only into her heart, but also into her her womb as she hears, grasps, and believes it. No one can say otherwise than that the power comes through the word. So for Luther here, like I'm making the case for as well, it is the word of God that creates the faith to believe God. Romans 10.17 says that much. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So as the word is proclaimed, God creates faith not just in Mary, but in you as well. Of course, he also also causes us to trust him by revealing to us his son. Uh, There's all sorts of things about the son in this passage that Mary is told from the angel Gabriel. You will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Now, why is his name going to be Jesus, Gabriel? Well, the name Jesus literally means the Lord saves or God saves. So from the very beginning, the angel is telling Mary what this child will do. He will come to be the Savior of God's people. Thus, Jesus tells us later on, I came to seek and save the lost. I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. It's one of these sort of mission statement moments that Jesus gives about his ministry. But the angel doesn't stop there. He goes on, he will be great and will be called son of the most high. What is he saying? Well, he's saying that the one Mary will carry in her womb is actually divine. That he's actually of the same stuff as the God of the universe. So the Apostle Paul describes Jesus this way in Colossians. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. In John's version of the birth story, he writes this, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so, the angel continues, not only will this baby in Mary's womb be a savior and be God's son, he will also be a king. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Now this had been prophesied for centuries, going all the way back to 2 Samuel 7, when God said to David, And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. And now, now the one from David's line is placed in Mary's womb. Imagine what she's got to be thinking as she hears all these things. So let's put all these things together. The one who will live inside Mary is her Savior, her Lord, her King. And it is the same with you and I today. In order for faith to be born, God reveals himself to you, not not as judge, but as Savior, first and foremost, and King, and benefit, beneficent Lord. So that's that's a few things that Mary has had revealed to her about God that create faith in her. I do have to say, and I, I you know I'm not one of these people that you know thinks the song Mary did you know is you know, awful or heresy or anything like that. I get the the idea behind it, but uh, yeah, she knew a lot, gang. I mean, she knew a lot. <laughs> they, they, the angel didn't hold back from the very beginning, and as a matter of fact, by the time you get to later on to this chapter, when Mary comes across Simeon, when Jesus is a baby in the temple, Simeon essentially will tell her, "There's gonna be, there's, there's." gonna be some uh bad news for you and there's gonna be a sword that pierces through you and you know um so mary yeah mary knew folks mary knew quite a bit and uh that makes it even more powerful to me like how do you raise a child knowing all the time that this is his destiny his destiny is going to be pain and agony and hardship uh that you're going to lose him at a young age you're not going to have him into your old age and and to be uh, a mother called to do this, what a heavy calling on Mary's life. Last thing God reveals in order to create faith in Mary is He reveals His power. The angel answers Mary's question when she says, "How How, how is this going to happen since I, I'm still a virgin? The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Commenting on what this means in the context of the larger biblical narrative, scholar Arthur Just writes, Gabriel speaks of the Holy Spirit coming upon Mary and the power of the Most High overshadowing her. This same Spirit hovered over the waters and brought forth creation. During the Exodus, Yahweh's presence was over Israel as he led, protected, and fought for her life in the pillar of cloud and fire. The pillar of clouds stood at the entrance to the tabernacle when Yahweh spoke with Moses. The presence of Yahweh in a cloud overshadowed the tabernacle and the entrance to the tabernacle when Yahweh spoke with Moses. Oh, excuse me. And the glory of Yahweh filled it. The Holy Spirit descended on Jesus at his baptism and a cloud overshadowed him him at his transfiguration. The same spirit that overshadows Mary is also promised to the disciples by Jesus just before his ascension. They will be, quote, clothed with power from on high. So as the Holy Spirit comes upon Mary, she conceives Jesus as holy, the Son of God. This is the moment of the incarnation of our Lord. This is the moment right now, end quote. You see the parallel, again, between Mary and the members of God's church. It is the same with you. This is the habit of our God, Christians. He takes things that are nothing and calls them into being. He makes dead things live. This is how he works. He loves to make the barren woman fruitful all throughout Scripture. He loves to take things that are not, things that are impossible, that we cannot possibly see any way of working. And through that impossibility, bring glory. And so like the innkeeper of Bethlehem, that first Christmas, who had no room for the Holy Family, there is no room in you for the Son of God naturally as well, but God the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and the power of the Most High overshadows you, and amazingly is able to take up residence in you. And so folks, in a very real way, we have much in common with Mary. And what is the response of faith? Well, listen to Mary's response. It's very it's perfect. It's like it's one of my favorite responses ever. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. As we celebrate the one who came revealing his grace and his word, his person and his power, let us indeed go on to say The same thing. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. All right, folks, that is it for our Advent uh, texts, our Advent devotions, at least on Tuesday morning. Next Tuesday is, of course, Christmas Eve. I will not be with you there. I hope you're able to get to a church and celebrate with God's people the incarnation of our Lord, the coming of our Savior for the forgiveness of our sins. Have a wonderful week. God bless you. I'll see you in the new year.